Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus some praise. Is there anybody in the house of the Lord that is glad that Jesus has made a change in your life? We ought to give God a shout of glory. Hallelujah. Is there anybody that's got a testimony? Amen. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Hallelujah. But God, but God, but God got a hold of my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, it feels good in the house of the Lord. It feels good in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel like we got victory in the house of the Lord. I feel like some prison doors have been swung wide open. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. On this Wednesday night service, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Matthew chapter 5 and beginning in verse number 13. In Jesus' name. Amen. We said it on Sunday, but amen, it is so good to be back home, amen, right where we belong in Jesus' name in the wonderful city of Carson City, amen, to be back at, at this wonderful church, amen, the greatest church on the face of planet earth, and everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. It's also good to have Brooke in the house of the Lord with us, amen. This is a friend of Sister Olivia, and we're so glad that you're here. And I can see God's already been touching you all service. We're praying God continues to do so. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 13. Amen. The word of the Lord declares, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor or it's lost its flavor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Amen. It becomes nothing more than gravel if it forgets that it's not just any mineral. Amen. But it is a spice. Amen. It is meant to be put in food, not on the ground, unless it's snowing. Praise God. Amen. He continues on and says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one little tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. This is why it's so important to be what God has called us to be. Amen. But whosoever shall do, everybody say do, and teach them, everybody say teach, shall the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, interchangeable. 
Amen. And I want to teach us for a few moments. I'm going to continue on uh, what I was teaching before uh, we, we entered into revival. The keys, keys to kingdom greatness, part three. Everybody say duplicating. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say duplicate. Amen. Set your Bibles down. Let's pray all across this house that God would touch us. Hallelujah. Amen. God, we believe in your word that you have called us to be and you have called us to do. But, Lord, there is another element, God, of kingdom greatness. You have called each and every individual in this place, every individual that ever comes into the kingdom. You have called us to be duplicators, God. And I'm praying, Lord, that there is greatness that is latent within every individual in this house. And I'm praying that, God, this would get down into the DNA of the church, God, that we would take this, that we would multiply it, God, that we would do something with it, and that we would duplicate it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him, God bless you. And then you can be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Over the last uh, several weeks, several months, we've been talking about uh, the year of favor, things that bring the favor of God into our lives. And we have been continuing on through Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, or the happy, blessed way of living. And in prayer, thinking and praying for direction uh, about what brings the favor of God. Amen. God just led me directly to the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know how long we're going to spend in this, uh, but I do know that I'm going to do my best to ex just pull everything that I can out of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Amen. He had three and a half years of full-time public ministry he could have talked about anything. He could have talked about how to win friends and influence people. He could have talked about, uh, you know, all of these different uh, w business ideas and all these other uh, ethics of life. But Jesus spent three and a half years, amen, healing the sick, raising the dead, doing all sorts of miracles, signs and wonders, and then teaching these things that we are reading. So I think it's very important if Jesus said, out of everything I could talk about, secrets of the universe and whatnot, I'm going to talk to you about the kingdom of heaven. And in our scriptural text, he tells us, amen, that there are some things that will lead to greatness in the kingdom of heaven. And I've asked this every time I've taught about it, but is there anybody that wants to be great? Anybody who wants to be great in life? Anybody that wants to be great in the kingdom of heaven? I think that should be everybody's heart's desire. Amen. I think we should all desire greatness. There are some that have fallen to the lowest common denominator, just mediocrity, that are okay with just being average. But I do not believe that God in his, in his, uh, in his, his desire or in his will ever baptized one of us with the Holy Ghost to be average. Amen. I want you to know that that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the Bible says it quickens our mortal bodies. I don't believe there's one person that God ever filled with the Holy Ghost and said, okay, now I just want you to be average. I just want you to be fulfilling the status quo. I, know, I don't believe that for one second. If we've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of us, that should set us apart from a lost and dying world. That should make us greater than anybody 
If we've got that same spirit, uh, that resurrection power on the inside of us, that means not one part of you should be average. Not one iota of you and I should be average. Every part of us should be great. We are not of this, this, this world that looks as water does, seeking the path of least resistance. We don't do that. Amen. If you're going to be in the kingdom of God, amen, and, and, and there, are, there are places where even Jesus lists it out and says that you can be considered least in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, there is a hierarchy in the kingdom of heaven. You can be great in the kingdom of heaven but you can also be the least in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I will say this. It's just good to be in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. It's just good to be saved. If I'm not greater than you, I'm okay with that. I'm just glad to be in heaven. However, I am not in competition with you. I'm not in competition with any brother or any sister, any other church, any other pastor. Amen. I am in competition with my own self. Amen. It is, it is, it is a competition to be the greatest that I can be in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. The Bible says those that judge themselves among themselves are not wise. Amen. It is not wise for you and I to go in competition with one another. But I do believe that it is wise for you and I to go in competition with ourselves. When you look at what you can be and what God has called you to be, the apex and the very best that you can be, amen, the ideal self that God has for you, amen, you should be in competition every day with that individual. Amen, if God has called you to greatness, do not settle for the least in the kingdom. If God has said, I've got a great plan for your life, do not settle for less than that great plan that God has for your life. And everybody said amen. So there are three keys to kingdom greatness that Jesus talks about in our text. Amen. The first one is being. Everybody say being. Being. Amen. Everything we do stems from our identity or our perception of our identity. Amen. I've said this before. Amen. But I want to tell you that if we've got the right perception of our identity, amen, it would fix a lot of problems. Amen. We've got, to, we've got to remind ourselves every day what God has said about us. Not what your parents said about you. Not what the world says about you. And not even what that inner critic says about you. Amen. Because your, your own mind will play tricks on you. The Bible says that your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your heart will lie to you. It'll tell you all sorts of things. And I have, I have I've read a statistic that says over 80% of self-talk is negative. When you have that inner critic in your mind, amen, I, that's why I believe that most of us are our own worst critic. We will think we did a terrible, terrible job at something. And somebody else will come by and they will say, man, that was an incredible job. Amen. But our inner critic, most of our self-talk is negative. And the problem with that is when you have a negative self-talk or there's something inside of you that is saying you are less than, you start living to that level. You ever notice that that's how it goes with people? You tell them that they are worthless, and they start acting worthless. But you start telling somebody that they're valuable, and they start acting valuable. Hey Amen. If I, if I were to tell you that all of a sudden your wallet was actually a one-of-a-kind rare piece, and it was worth more than all the money you've ever had in your bank account, 
Amen. You would stop carrying it around. You would put it in a safe at your house. You'd even try to auction it because all of a sudden all I did was tell you something that was unique about that wallet you had and it became more valuable than the contents inside the wallet. Amen. And this is how it is in the kingdom of God when God speaks to you and I. Amen. It tells us that what we have and what we are is more valuable than the way we've been using it. Amen. I heard a story of a man that, uh, that, that found a rock I want to say it was somewhere in Africa, and, and uh, he found this rock, and he used it as a doorstep, only to find out years and years later it was one of the largest diamonds ever discovered. Amen. I want you to know that that's how you and I are until God starts speaking to us. We will feel like we're nothing more than the devil's doorstep, and God will start speaking to us about our being, and he will tell you, I've called you for so much more, and you've got more value than you know what to do with. So kingdom greatness starts with being, amen. And being is something that we are, amen. It's who we are. It's our identity, amen. And we must, we must remind ourselves daily, and this is why it's so important to get in the Word of God, because the Word of God does not lie to you. The Word of God says, amen, it is the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If it does not make you free, you can, you can just go backwards and say that's not truth. Amen. If, if a self-perception is leading you further and further into bondage and to being less than, I want to tell you it's not truth because the truth of God's word will always make you and I free. Amen. So to be great in the kingdom, it starts with being. Amen. It starts with the perception of what we are and who we are in God. Everybody say doing. Doing. Our doing must be intentional and proportional to that which we know. Amen. There. There are so many people that they want to be great, but they don't know what to do. This is why you've got to get in the Word of God. Find out what you need to do. This is why it's important to go, and uh, it doesn't necessarily mean formal education, but you need to get educated. Amen. You need to learn something. If you're not learning, you're dying. Praise God. We should make it a habit every day of learning and growing. It should never be a negative when somebody says you could grow. That should be a great, happy comment. You can grow. You can get better. That's a wonderful thing. It would be so terrible if I looked at you one day and said, this is the best you can get. Amen. This is the nicest you can get. This is the most intelligent you can get. Some of us would go home depressed. Amen. But how incredible is it to be known and to be told that you can get better. You can grow. You can get smarter. Amen. It's not too late to turn around. It's not too late to start over. It's not too late, amen, to make something of yourself. And everybody said amen. And so you've got to get knowledge because the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Amen. Without information, you and I will destroy ourselves. But with knowledge, amen, it, we, with knowledge does come a responsibility to that knowledge. You now must enact that knowledge. There's so many, amen, this is why Jesus said that your, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. Because the Pharisees, they had all knowledge, but they did nothing with it. It does you no good, amen, to know how to put out a fire when there's a fire going if you don't do something with it. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but you must enact that knowledge or your house is going to burn down. Amen. you got to stop, drop, and roll. Everybody say apostolic. Amen. They call this holy rollers for a reason. Hey, praise God. We're just trying to get the fire rolling. Amen. And so you got to have knowledge. Three areas I've talked about you need knowledge in, and we all need knowledge in. We first need knowledge of God. Without a knowledge of God, it does us no good to be great in the kingdom. Because we, in the kingdom, kingdom literally means the king's domain. 
And so we are in the domain of the king. Uh, this is why the kingdom of God is not necessarily a physical location. Amen. We are not going to pinpoint it on a map and, and say, well, this is the kingdom of God. That's not how the kingdom of God works. Amen. The kingdom is always the domain of the king. Well, our king is not relegated to one area code. Amen. Our king is not relegated to one zip code. Amen. He can be king of any area that people have allowed him to be king. This is why you can have churches, amen, all across this city that nothing is happening. Nothing is going on. The presence of God is not felt because at the end of the day, they've made that man's domain. But we can come in this house and every service we pray, we are not just praying so we can feel goosebumps, but we are praying and saying this is the king's domain. Amen. This is not my flesh's domain. This is not your domain. This is the king of kings' domain. He reigns supreme, and we are going to dwell in his kingdom. Amen. But to be in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, amen, to not know the king is one of the worst things you and I could ever do. You cannot and I cannot be great in the kingdom of God if we do not know the king. So we, it, is, it is important and necessary that we grow in knowledge of the king. That's why it's so good we're in church on Wednesday night. Amen. I love, I love coming to midweeks because it's usually a time where we can think. Amen. We can learn. We can grow in knowledge of the king. You've got to know the king if you're going to be great in his kingdom. Amen. We've got to get knowledge of our identity, but we learn this from Moses. Moses' at first question is not, who are you? Man, he knew that was God. He said, who am I? Amen. A knowledge of ourself comes as we get direct revelation of who God is. We find this with Abraham. We find this with Moses. We find this with Peter. Amen. When Peter got a revelation of who Jesus was, he then got a revelation of who he is. Amen. And when we grow in the knowledge of our identity, going back to what we are called to be, we can then get more knowledge of what our calling is. That is what God wants us to do. Amen. So this is where we grow in knowledge. When we grow in knowledge, we now must be intentional. Amen. About acting out what we know. Amen. When you know something is wrong, you intentionally act out avoiding that which is wrong. When you know something is right, you must be intentional about doing that which is right. Nothing great happens by accident. You and I are not great by accident. It must be intentional. Amen. So being and doing, it is, it is incumbent upon us to bear the responsibility of becoming and enacting what we are becoming through our actions. We must allow our identity to be manifested through our deeds. Amen. We cannot outsource this to anybody else. Everybody say, it's up to me. Amen. Nobody can blame anybody else for the lack of development or the lack of action. When we go home, we might be able to do it to other people, and we might be able to say that as a great excuse. Amen. But at the end of the day, if we are not growing, we cannot blame anybody else. I, I, I love it. I, I've heard this so many times. Thank you, but I've never heard it here. But uh, somebody said, well, I just don't feel fed at that church. I mean, I travel as an evangelist. I don't feel fed at that church. And uh, I said, well, if you ate what was in front of you, you'd feel quite fed. Amen. And if we really aren't being fed, it is not incumbent on somebody else 
to force feed you. Amen. Uh, and uh, this, is, this is not time, uh, as Sister Dior has, this is not time to get a G-tube. Amen, where we've got to feed you. Amen, that's not how it goes as you grow as a human being, as you grow as a Christian. Amen, that is not the will of God. As somebody put it best, they said, go home and make yourself a sandwich. Amen, for all the parents out there that kids are like, well, I'm hungry. Well, we got food at home. Well, well I don't want to eat the food at home. Well, then you're not really hungry because if you're really hungry, you'll eat what's presented before you. Amen, we've got to be, amen, we've got to take the responsibility upon ourselves, amen, to grow in our identity, and we've got to take it upon ourselves to act out what we are. Amen. It is not your responsibility for me to grow. It is not your responsibility for me to act. It is my responsibility to grow. It is my responsibility to act out that which I'm growing in. Amen. This ought to take the pressure off of everybody else. Amen. To every spouse, it's not up to you to make your spouse grow and vice versa. So take the weight off. Amen. It is your job to be the best spouse that you can be. Every parent, amen, it is your job to be the best parent that you can be. I'll never forget the day God delivered me and he spoke to me a word that changed my life forever. Amen. I'll never forget. I was I was frustrated about my parents and and the way they raised me, and I was feeling guilty about the way they raised me. And God gave me this revelation. I hope I can give to you tonight. He said, "I will never judge you based on how somebody else was to you. I will never judge you on from their end of the uh, agreement or, or from their end of the relationship." Uh, in other words, uh, Amen. As a son, I will never judge you based on how that individual was or was not as a father. But I will always judge you based on your side of the relationship, uh, on how you were as a son uh, or how you were as a spouse. Uh, so you can take the pressure off uh, and say, God, uh, if I'm going to be great, uh, Amen, I've got to make it up in my mind. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna grow uh, and I'm going to act. And then God will never judge you based on somebody else. So don't use that as an excuse to why you're not growing. God will never judge you based on the pastor. God will judge you based on his word. Did you, as a saint of God, be the best saint of God that you can be? Uh, amen. I know of churches uh, that have fallen apart, uh, amen, because ministry was all whacked out. Uh, but yet I know preachers that have come out of those places. Uh, I know of missionaries that have come out of those places. Uh, amen. Because somebody made it up in their mind, uh, I'm not waiting on somebody else to make me great. I'm going to make me great. Now what's beautiful is when we work together uh, and we all make it up in our minds. Uh, if every individual says, uh, amen, uh, if I am going to be, it is up to me. Uh, if everybody in the church says, if it is going to be, it's up to me. Uh, if everybody does that, uh, we are destined uh, for greatness. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give him praise. You may not know it, but tonight I'm telling you how we can be the greatest church on the face of the earth. If every individual says, I am going to be the greatest saint of God. I am going to be the greatest Christian. I am going to be the greatest prayer warrior. Not somebody else. I am going to be it. And if you will be it, and I will be it, amen, it's a recipe for revival. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God a shout of victory and a shout of praise. Amen. Amen. 
I want you to quote these phrases to yourself. I do it to myself often. If I am going to be, it is up to me. I cannot wait on somebody else to be the one that does all the developing for me. Now, thank God, God allows other people into our lives to develop us. He uses those to help develop us. But at the end of the day, the responsibility to be developed is upon me. Second phrase that I live by is if it is going to be, it is up to me. Amen. I don't, I don't wonder if anybody else is praying if I am not praying. If I am not praying, I just have to assume nobody else is praying. If I am not studying the Word of God, I must assume that nobody else is studying the Word of God, although that may not be true, and I hope it's not. So it must be incumbent upon me that if I'm going to have a praying church, I must be a praying man. If I'm going to have a Bible-studying, Bible-quoting church, I must be a Bible-studying, Bible-quoting man. If I'm going to have a soul-winning church, I must be a soul-winning, door-knocking, Bible-study-teaching man. I don't let somebody else, amen, push it off on somebody else. I made it up in my mind. God, if you're sending revival, start with me. God, don't just let me be part of revival. Let me be a revival. Somebody ought to shout and give God praise. If it's going to be, it's up to me. If the church is going to have revival, it's up to me. If the church is going to be great, it's because, God, you worked on me to be great. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and shout with a voice of triumph. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. So if it's going to be, it's up to me. I don't wait on anybody else. Amen. It might sound a little pessimistic to you, but I have to assume. Amen. Now, I assume the best about people, but in, in myself, I, I just assume that if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't delegate and do other things, but there are times where we must make it up in our mind. Amen. If this is going to be a praying church, I must be a prayer warrior. And so we've got, we've got that understanding. But as we work to develop ourselves... You and I have got something else. It's the missing key. It's the missing key of greatness. If we are to be great, you and I must then seek to duplicate ourselves. Kingdom of greatness is not unlocked until we have duplicated ourselves. This is the most important and sobering task of every believer. Notice how I didn't just say the pastor or the greeter or the usher or the musician. It is every believer. Think about the few words Jesus spoke before he ascended into heaven. Just think about that. I, I know that sometimes we want to see the masses of words, but I want you to think about the minimal words that Jesus uses. Amen. Jesus said, go. Go into all the world and teach the gospel and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, go into all the world, teaching them to observe, teaching them, baptizing them. What was he saying? He was saying the last thing I'm going to tell you, amen, it's the last key to kingdom greatness is that somebody has got to go. Amen. Somebody's got to go. But go does not always mean to Africa, and go does not always mean to the Middle East. Go just means to your family, and go just means to your kids, and go just means to your neighborhood, and go. 
Go just means somebody to walk in the church where you take them out to eat. Uh, go just means you take them out golfing. And go just means you befriend them. And go means you take them out for a cup of coffee. And go means you invite them to your house to eat. And go. I know we say that go is just door knocking, but I want to tell you go is wrapped up a whole lot more than just knocking a door, and I knock doors, and the church here knocks doors. Uh, but what are we really trying to do? We're trying to duplicate what God has done in us. Kingdom greatness can be wrapped up in one word. Everybody say responsibility. It starts with responsibility, and it ends with responsibility. It is my responsibility to become. It is my responsibility to do what I have become and to act out what I have become, what God has helped me to become. And it is my responsibility to duplicate that which I have become. Duplication, or to put it biblically, everybody say discipleship. Discipleship cannot be relegated to a class in the church on a Sunday. Praise God. Nor can it be the responsibility of the pastor's family only, nor just a, a few folks in the church. Jesus never sent his disciples out with the impossible task to convert the entire world by themselves. In fact, he gave them a formula. He said, first and foremost, Go wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And when you receive that Holy Ghost, he said, you shall be power. You shall be receive power to be a witness unto me. Amen. He gave them the Holy Ghost. He let us know that this is not your mission, but this is the great co-mission. In other words, it's not you by yourself, but it's you full of the Holy Ghost. It's you full of the Spirit of God that he sends out and he directs you where he wants you to go, talking to this individual and talking to that individual. And God starts directing you. Amen. And God starts laying it on your heart to pray for that person. God lays it on your heart to take that person out to eat. What's happening? It's the great co-mission. Amen. But God did not just send him out. Okay, it's you and I. Just us. And at that point, the 11. We're going to go out and we're going to just change the world. No, he said, you're going to go out. You're going to be witnesses full of the Holy Ghost. And you are going to duplicate what I have done in you. God filled those new disciples with the Holy Ghost. He said, go. He breathed on them, receive you the Holy Ghost, and said, go. And disciple all nations. And we're going to really focus in on discipleship in the coming days, in the coming uh, years. Amen. Because I believe with all of my heart that it is discipleship that is the responsibility of the church that makes the church grow. I thank God for programs. I thank God for music. I thank God for good preaching. And all of that is a key, amen, to the church going forward. But I want to tell you that there is a there is one key that we cannot lose to the kingdom and its greatness, and that is discipleship. And that is you and I finding somebody else that we can duplicate ourselves into. Amen. It was from one to many. It was from a Peter, amen, to preaching Pentecost. It was from Paul taking Saul under, or taking, taking uh, Silas under his wing. Amen. Amen. Some people, though, the reason they don't duplicate 
is because they don't want somebody just like them walking around the church. Church growth will be stunted whenever the responsibility for duplication is shunned. Whenever we say, I'm going to let somebody else deal with that, I'm going to ignore it. I'm not going to worry about it. It's usually because we don't want somebody else like us walking around the church. Because at the end of the day, we must all ask ourselves a sobering question. If you were to duplicate somebody in this church or in your walk with God, what would you replicate? If this church doubled tomorrow with people just like you, and I'll say that to myself, just like me, what kind of church would we have? Would this be duplicating a loving church or a critical church? Would this be a praying church? It's not, well, did Brother So-and-so pray? No, did you pray today? And that's what kind of church we would have. Would this be a soul-winning church? Well, if you've never invited anybody to church, it wouldn't be a soul-winning church. If you never talked to anybody about Jesus, it wouldn't be a soul-winning church. If you don't duplicate yourself, it wouldn't be a soul-winning church. Amen. Would this be a soul-keeping church? Because it's not enough just to throw the net. we got to mend the nets, too. we got to make sure we don't just catch them, but we keep them. This is where we've got other people coming alongside. Maybe you never brought them to church, but you took them out for chicken after church. Amen. I know I'm getting real practical right now. Amen. Would this be a giving church? Well, you haven't given in a year. It wouldn't be a giving church. Would this be a church attending church? Well, you don't go to church. Amen. Thank God everybody here, we'd have a church attending church. Would this be an involved church? Well, if you say, I'll leave it up to everybody else, I want to tell you, it wouldn't be an involved church. Would this be a fellowshipping church? Well, if you think to yourself, I'm better off without anybody else and I can do this all by myself, the church would not have an atmosphere of fellowship. Would this be a a forgiving church uh, or would it be a bitter church well if you don't forgive people when they wrong you uh, I want you to know it would not be duplicated into a forgiving church uh, but if you could answer yes to all of these and this is not all the questions uh, that I could ask uh, I want to tell you we would have a revival church uh, I want to tell you we'd have a great church Amen. I want to tell you what makes a church great at the level it's at. It's people that can answer yes to this question right where they are. But let me tell you, when we duplicate and double and triple in number, I want to tell you what's going to make the church great and stop it from going off the rails. It's if we can keep saying yes to each of these questions. I put the burden not on you. I put the burden on me. I put the burden on myself to make sure I represent what I want duplicated. I want to make sure that whatever's coming out of me is duplicating the right thing. Hallelujah. I think we ought to stand and lift up our hands and let's magnify the Lord. I don't say this tonight to, to judge or to criticize. I have nobody in mind. I have this in my mind, though. I want to challenge every person. I want to challenge every person. Amen. Could you find somebody else and then pour yourself into them? Could you find somebody else and pour your wisdom into them? Pour your knowledge into them? Oh, somebody pray. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, God. I want to be great. God, make me great. Help me to do great things. And God, help me to duplicate greatness in somebody else. Amen, Lord. It's not just about me being great, but it's about me finding somebody else that I can help go to the next level. It's about finding somebody else I can help go. Amen. From good to great. From mediocre to great. It's from taking somebody else. Amen. From where they are and leading them to where they could be. Man, this is a very sobering word tonight, and I want everybody to hear me. This is not to be critical. I, again, I don't think of anybody, but I do want this in the DNA of the church. I am speaking as the pastor of this church. We are a duplicating church. Now, I want to tell you, there's people that are duplicating, but what they're duplicating needs to change. I don't have anybody in mind. Because if it doesn't change, it's you're going to keep festering. Not all growth is good. Some growth is cancerous. We don't, want, we don't need cancerous growths, which means we have to go to God Almighty, our doctor, our great physician, and say, God, search me, oh God. Find if there be any wicked way in me. This puts the burden on us individually to be and to do the best to our Holy Ghost-filled ability. God, if I'm going to duplicate what I am, and duplicate what I do. Lord, please let me be the best example that I can be. We need mentors. We can put it in biblical terms. Paul said you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you have not many fathers. We got a busted world, church. They need fathers and church fathers and church mothers and you might be 18 years old. You're going to be a church father. Praise God. Because somebody's going to come in at 16. Somebody might come in at 35. And they look to you. And there's no, there's no rhyme or reason why God connects certain people. And let me just speak to this. Well, I don't like the church is full of cliques. Let me just speak to that. Go get you some friends in the church and spend time with them. Invest into them. Praise God. Because not everybody connects the same. And that's all right. Because God made us unique and individual. That's why he said we're part of the body. Now the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. But that don't mean that the hand tries to be the foot. It's called doing a handstand. Don't do that. Well, I just want to fit in with this group. You're going to look weird. Don't do that. It's all right. It's all right to be who you are. And God will fill you with people that are, that, are, that are just like you and connected to you. Amen. They may not be just like you, but God will connect you to the wrist. And God will connect you to the arm. And God will connect you to somebody. So I don't want to use that as, as license for somebody to say, well, they don't like me. They, no, they're just different than you. That's all right. Pray through. It's all right. Not everybody's going to jive with me, and I'm not going to jive with everybody else. That's all right. Because we're unique, and we must embrace that uniqueness. But that does not give anybody a license to be mean, rude. Amen. Praise God. We must take it upon ourselves to be the best that God has for us. And then pray, God, connect me to somebody who's on the same journey as me that I can help. We need everybody say this. A Paul above you. Paul above you. You need a Paul in your life. You need somebody who's above you. 
They might be older than you. They might be younger than you. It doesn't matter. It comes down to the fact that you need somebody that can speak into your life, that can give you wisdom and understanding. Amen. And it may not be the same person as the person next to you. They might have somebody different in the kingdom of God. But you need a Paul above you that can speak into your life. Everybody say, a Barnabas beside you. Everybody needs a buddy like Barnabas. I don't need no friends. Yes, you do. It is not good that man should be alone. Well, I just got me, myself, and I. That ain't enough. That's why the Bible says if two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in the midst of them. You can't have revival by yourself. you got to have somebody else beside you. There's nothing like a Barnabas who when Saul comes into the church, he's been murdering Christians. Nobody wants anything to do with him. He's annoying and frustrating. And listen, the church is always going to have some people like that. I was one of those people. I might still be one of those people. I don't know. I have a friend that, man, he is the most difficult individual you've ever met in your life. And I've only met one of his kind in the entire existence. Amen. And nobody in the church wanted to be around him. Thank God for a Barnabas that said, okay, nobody else has got enough prayer life. Come on. Let's go to Applebee's. I remember this friend of mine. Uh, I call him a friend now, but he, he's, he's got the record of being in the pastor's office more than anybody else in the church's history to date. Now he's doing a wonderful work for God. He's preaching the gospel. Praise God for that. But when he first got in church, you could see it was like Moses parting the waters. He walked by and everybody just. Church would get out and they just. Because they knew he was going to say something critical. He was going to be rude. He was going to try to debate them and do so, all sorts of things. And, and, and I'm. I'm I'm trying to learn the word no, but man, it's kind of hard. And, and he showed up, and man, he just wants to debate with me. And, and I look around, and nobody else wants to be around this guy. And so it was left to me to be around this guy. And it was not easy. In fact, I would, I would not get invited to other things at the church because I knew this guy would tag along. And I'm not even saying it was wrong for those individuals because I, I wouldn't want them around either. Praise God. But we need the spirit of Barnabas in the church that can find even some of the most difficult people and say, if no one else will, I will work with you. If nobody else will, I will be your friend. If nobody else will go out to eat with you, I will go out to eat with you. If no one else will pray with you, I will pray with you. Praise God. But let me pre preach to the chronically Saul's in the church for a moment. You're always the person nobody wants to be around. You need to grow. You need to get better. You need to pray. Because if there's, well, it's just everybody else has the problem. You'll start realizing real quick, not everybody has a problem. But if you look in the mirror, you're probably the one that needs to change and grow. And you need to say, okay, God, help me to change and grow. Is this all right tonight? I know it's real practical. Praise God. But you need a Barnabas that can say, Saul who now becomes Paul, I think you're wrong about John Mark. Mind you, this the Bible says the contention between the two was so rough that they decided to split ways. Paul, the apostle, when we quote most of the New Testament, he said uh, he, he, was, he came and he was a fireball. Nobody wanted to be around him. He was terrible. And then when the moment came for him to show the same grace to a man by the name of Mark, he didn't do it. And Barnabas said, hey, buddy, I took a chance on you. We need to take a chance on this young man, Mark. And the Bible says the contention of this in your Bible. It was so straight between them, they parted ways. 
And Barnabas, God bless Barnabas, kept on being Barnabas and said, I'm taking John Mark with me. And, and Paul said, fine, I'll find somebody I like a little more. And he took uh, Amen Silas with him. Now God blessed them both. They all did great ministry things. But one day, Paul got the lesson and said, at the end of Timothy, he said, send for John Mark because he's profitable to me in the ministry. We need to have the Barnabases that still believe in people, that never stop believing in people. And everybody say, Timothy, below you. This is where duplicating comes in. Everybody's going to have somebody they're trying to emulate. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Everybody's going to have somebody on the same sidelines as them saying, we can do it together. But every individual has got to have a Timothy. My son, Timothy, I write unto you, preach the gospel. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Rebuke, reprove, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That in doing so, you should save yourself and those that hear you. He said, oh, Timothy, I know you're below me, but I'm not here to demean you. In fact, I'm here to encourage you. Let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example unto the believers in word and in deed and in your doctrine. We all need to find somebody that's below us as well. That's not saying they're less than, but you can see there's areas I can help them become. Church, we got keys to kingdom greatness right here. And as long as we stay in alignment, somebody is leading me closer to God. Amen. Somebody's walking alongside me, helping me get closer to God. And I've got somebody by the hand, and I'm pulling them up. You ever heard of crabs in a bucket? Crabs in a bucket. They try to crawl out of the bucket. And the other crabs think the way they can get up and out is by yanking the other crab down. Let it never be said once, ARC. Ye that are spiritual, strengthen such a one in the spirit of meekness. All right, now, you all know what crabs in a bucket are now. Praise God. Has anybody ever heard of monkeys in a barrel? All right, praise God. We well, got some folks that played some real games back in the day. All right, not, not just video games. We got these monkeys in a barrel. The crabs in a bucket yank the other crab down and says, if I'm going to get, I'm going to crawl on top of you to get up there. Church don't eat crabs in a bucket. We don't need crabs either. Praise God. Smile. Shake a hand. Be excited. We need more monkeys in a barrel. They link arm in arm. But mind you, you can't get out just linking on to somebody below you and acting spiritual. But you got to find somebody else above you where you can link on. And if they go up, you go up. But make sure it's just not two of you that go up. You grab somebody else by the hand and say, if we're going to be great, we're going to be great together. If we're going to have revival, we're going to have revival together. Oh, somebody ought to lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on. God, if we're going to be great, I don't want to be great by myself. I want to grab my brother and sister by the hand and pull them up to greatness. If I see them falling, help me to pick them up and tell them they can grow. Tell them they can be better. Help them. Oh, let's pray all across this building. In the name of Jesus, if you want to be great in the kingdom, I want to invite you down to this altar. Come and pray with us for a few moments. This is a moment, not of condemnation, but a moment to say, God, help me to find somebody that's going where I want to go that maybe is a little further down the road. And God, help me to link up with them. God, help me to link up with them. 
God, help me to glean some wisdom from them. And God, help me to find somebody that's on the same level as me, a friend that can encourage me, a friend that sticks closer than a brother, a friend that, that helps me in times of adversity, a friend uh, that I can pray with, uh, a prayer partner, a praise partner. And then, God, don't let me stop there. Let me grab somebody uh, that's getting started uh, or somebody that, that, that needs my help uh, and help me to grab them by the hand uh, and bind us all together uh, so we can go further in the kingdom. Somebody pray as we begin to sing and worship in Jesus' name. Come on, there's greatness right here, church. There's greatness right here, but the greatness is wrapped up in duplicating Find somebody. Amen. Come on. Find somebody. Find somebody that walks into church. Amen. Be the first one to greet them. Be the first one to say, how can I help you today? Be the first one to offer prayers. Be the first one to offer them. Amen. A time of coffee. Amen. A time of fellowship.
Sing that one more time. Lift up your hands and let's pray. this building. Hallelujah. 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 God, use me. Use who I am. And Lord, duplicate me. I feel revival. I feel revival. God, multiply me. Duplicate me. somebody that I can pour myself into, that I can pour myself into. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, church, I know that I said a lot of things, talk about a lot of things tonight, but what I'm talking about tonight is not, it's not difficult. It's, it's not that you need to go out and, and although I would love for everybody to get a Bible study chart and to go teach that Bible study. I would love for that. But I understand that's that really is not everybody's gifting. Not everybody's the best at that. And that's all right. But I know some folks that can gather a crowd. Come on, somebody. I know some folks that know how to cook and know how to open up their home and have a crowd full of people. Let's just blink straight ahead. Amen. There's some folks in this house great with hospitality. There's some folks that got giftings for that. What would happen if you said, God, I'm going to give that gift to you. But I'm not just going to use that gift without intent. God weaponized my gift. I, I said this before, but I release you to be as weird as God created you to be. Elder, I, I really will walk around the aisles uh, at Walmart. I'll go down the rice aisle, and I'll start talking to people. My wife has got to grab me and say, come on, let's go. I really will be like, you like rice? I like rice. You got to get in water for rice to be well. You got to get water to be baptized. I, I, that's just how I am. <laughs> am I telling the truth? My wife's got to stop me because I have this magnet for weird people. 
I promise you, the weirdest people in the world come up to me. It must be that they see a kindred spirit. I don't know. But, but that may not be your gift. And that's all right. You don't need to be me. In fact, if the church was just me, that means I'm the only one duplicating. And man, kudos to me. But I don't want a church just full of me. Amen. You ever seen uh, the Adams family? I can't remember what it was. The, the, little, the hand thing? Yeah. If the church were nothing but hands, we'd just be a church of thing. Amen. If we were all, oh, just, I, listen, you ever been, a, you ever met, help, help me out here, I'm having fun, but you ever met the outreach guy? You ever been in a church with the outreach guy? I'm not talking about people that love outreach. I'm not talking about that. If you know, you know, okay? There's a very unique personality that goes with the outreach guy. Now, there's a whole outreach team, lots of outreach people, but there's always the outreach guy. And uh, if you've never met them, just wait. They're coming to our church. Amen. And I have met the outreach guy. And let me tell you, sometimes the, out, the outreach guy, that young man I told you about, ended up becoming the outreach guy. And he would, just, if the hand was full of just, if the body was full of just hands, it would just be the outreach guy. Don't get along with nobody, but reaches out. They do real well with sinners, but no good with the saints. Okay, we don't need just cousin it or the thing running around, right? We need a church that has every part. Hey, thank God for the spleen in the church. Thank God for the kidneys in the church. Thank God for the brothers and sisters that have a heart that just love people in the church. Now, don't look at your brother and sister and see that they're different than you and say, well, I don't like them. They, they should be doing what I'm doing. Keep pumping blood to the rest of the body and stop worrying about the rest of the body. Amen. If you're the hand, the outreach guy, praise God. If you're like me, I'm the outreach guy. I'm a little weird. Just keep reaching. Don't just outreach. We need some left-handed people, too, that know how to inreach. We need some folks that know how to grab them and bring them out of the world. But we need some folks that know how to invite them over to eat and keep them in the church. We need some knowledge to know how to build the ark. Amen. But we also need some, some, some brethren and sisters that know how to keep them on the ark. Amen. You drown both ways. We don't keep you on there. There's people in this church, you have such gifts, talents, and abilities. Amen. There's some people that you're just, you're just happy. You may not think that's a gift, but I've met some sour people in my life. Just keep duplicating happiness. Keep duplicating joy. There's some encouraging people in the house of the Lord. You may not be surrounded by encouraging people. That's why God puts you there so you can duplicate encouragement. I could preach another sermon on that. I think we ought to lift up our hands one more time. Let's pray. God, this is our prayer right now. Lord, I pray right now that you would show every individual some unique gifts, talents, and abilities that they have. And God, would you show them not only those gifts, talents, and abilities, but God, would you show them how to use those things to duplicate in the kingdom and to work in the kingdom of God.
Lord, it might be uh, that they are gifted uh, to bring people into the church. And it might be gifted that they are good as finding somebody that's walked in the church uh, and they know how to take them out for a cheeseburger. Uh, whatever that gift might be, Lord, uh, I pray that you would weaponize it for your kingdom and for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another. Go, be, do, and duplicate in Jesus' name. God bless you. We're going to have a short meeting with all of the young people that are going over to Idlewild Park on Friday in the prayer room. If you want to head back that direction in Jesus' name.